Coming up on this week's episode, we begin with the real story of Plymouth Rock, a HomePod mini-review, and how to set your smart home on fire. Then we get into the week's tech news, including Apple's small developer discount and Windows turning 35. It all starts right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 294, recorded November 23rd, 2020. No Need Bread. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast that's always talking turkey. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by two guys who make sure to have little buckles on all their hats. It's Colby Rabideau and Dan Miller. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Sean. What? Hi, Sean. Did you know that I've never been to Plymouth Rock? Did you know it's like just a rock? Like you don't have no, to go I'm, to it. I, I've never been. Like you don't. You just don't. It's like not required. Like no one's going to make you oh. do it. Is that where, that's I, where like the the first European settlers arrived. Uh, no, right. If the history books will have you believe that, that seems like one of those things that, in retrospect, I don't know if that's actually accurate or not. But didn't the first was what was that? Uh, what was that mysterious settlement that disappeared? Jamestown. In, like, Jamestown. No, that's no, not isn't it. that Ro- Roanoke? Roanoke. Is no, it Jamestown was very successful, in fact. <laughs> wildly successful. Right, but wasn't there an earlier one that that uh, was not wildly successful? Was wildly unsuccessful? Yes, Roanoke. They all... So, wait, wait. Then what is... Wait. <laughs> I have no idea what Plymouth Rock is then. What is it? Isn't Plymouth Rock that, and the Mayflower that, the same? Yeah, that was where, like, the Pilgrim... The, the New England Pilgrims landed and... I don't know, put a plaque on a rock or something. Yeah. Would you like to know some quick Wikipedia facts about Plymouth Rock? Quickipedia. That, that I yes. just that I just Googled and don't know anything about. Uh, Plymouth Rock is the traditional site of the disembarkation of the Mayflower Pilgrims in December of 1620. The Pilgrims did not refer to Plymouth Rock in any of their writings. The first known written reference to the rock dates to 1715. Um, and the first documented claim that it was the landing place was in 1741, 121 years after they arrived. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, in 1774, the rock broke in half during an attempt to haul it to the town square in Plymouth. One portion remained in town square and the other was moved to Pilgrim Hall Museum in 1834. It was later rejoined with the other portion of the rock uh, at its original site on the shore of Plymouth Harbor. Neat. There you go. So it is a, it, I've seen it and it, it's not even impressive for a rock. Like it's not even a good rock. <laughs> like it's not particularly big. Oh yeah. They etched 1620 into it, but it's just kind of like a rock. Like if you were on a ship coming up to the shore, you wouldn't be like, Hark, there'd be a rock. Like it just looks like all the other rocks. <laughs> but I see. What do I know? Oh, Oh, that's so boring. Yeah, isn't it? The way they talked about it in like third grade. I thought there was something special going on. Yeah, like most things in U.S. history, it's much lamer than they tell you in the books. Yeah. Alas. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so on that riveting note, what's uh, what's what's going on, guys? What's the good word? Any anything? Oh. Mm, not really. I'm not working this week, which is nice. Also, my internet was out today for six hours, um, which was fine. I truly don't know what I did. Like I, <laughs> I went and got some food, some some supplies, cooking supplies, like uh-huh. vegetables, uh, yams. Rutabagas, but not sweet Brussels potatoes. Sprouts. No, gross. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I did between the hours of ten and two today. I didn't watch TV because the internet was out. Yeah, isn't that funny? How everything is connected to the internet, so nothing works when there's no <laughs> internet. I've learned that yeah. lesson. I can't even turn off my lights. It's bad. It's a, it's a shame. I, you know, actually, the thing that uh, drives me a little bonkers is that my internet was out, right? So it was like the the 
connection to the greater internet, but like the Wi-Fi in my house still works. But like, so I can like, you know, I could like stream a podcast over 3G, but I can't broadcast that podcast to the speakers in my home because to be to broadcast to my speakers, I need to be on the Wi-Fi, but my phone is too dumb to like mm. use the data from the cellular but also be on the Wi-Fi. I think the point I is, think I it's wish it were technically weren't. not that dumb, right? Because wasn't there some? Uh, isn't there some like smart? Wasn't Maybe. there like a? There yeah. is a thing that pops up sometimes that says, "This is my internet going out for hours at a time." Has been a somewhat regular occurrence, like monthly, monthly occurrence. Lately. Yikes! Yeah, um, but sometimes there is a thing that says, "Like it seems like you have no internet connection. Do you want to switch to cellular?" But I don't know what happens when you press that button. Wi-Fi like, assist. What's that? If you have, if you're using Safari with a poor Wi-Fi connection and a web page doesn't load, this is a for instance. Wi-Fi assist will activate and automatically switch to cellular so that the web page continues to load. I mean, that's what I want. Well, hmm. yeah, that's a good uh, question. Wi-Fi Assist doesn't activate with some third-party apps that stream audio or video. See, there you go. Only works in Safari. You know your best, <laughs> your, your best bet, and I'm I'm not an expert by any stretch. Uh, just have internet. Yeah, I mean that sounds nice. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I would love to switch service providers, but well, you know, you could. Is is um or any of the five Gs testing in Boston? You could get a 5G um, hotspot and power your whole house on it. Hotspot. That's true. I could try that. We have, uh, Boston has Starry now that I don't know if, if any, anyone's aware of that from, they used to make like a router, but now they do like, it's not 5G, but it is like, it's like a f- sort of wireless high speed internet thing where they like put an antenna on your building and you're like a peer in the mesh and then like it like shoots around the city kind of yeah you should definitely try that that sounds awesome it does it does sound cool i put my i signed up for the waiting list at one point but i haven't got a thing every time i go on there it says like it's not available in your building but i can definitely there is one of the wi-fi networks here is absolutely starry now i'm gonna look right now hmm now didn't you do some sort of mesh connecty thing when you were in san francisco oh yeah the the uh the microwave internet the microwave internet <laughs> right <laughs> yeah there there are two there are two routers in this building that are called like uppercase starry uh, stuff or two routers close enough to my computer to see so it seems like it should be available I think it's something like that, Dan. Like it's similar to that technology. Like that's how the the peer antennas talk to each other. Because I don't know if you recall, you remember, but the you could only get that ISP in San Francisco if you were had like line of sight to their office or their whatever their wherever their right. antenna was. Because and there was like a little like microwave receiver thing on the roof of our of our apartment. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been googling on the because uh, oh you have T-Mobile is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been googling Verizon Ultra Wideband five G. That's where you really get the speeds, uh, and they do have it in Boston. You can get it for your home. It's if you have a Verizon mobile plan, it's fifty dollars a month. That's less than my internet now. But wouldn't you have to be on one of those like streets that has the ultra wideband? <laughs> yeah, it, they do ask for your address to confirm if it's available, so it may not be available in mm. every home. Um, how does do either of you have Verizon as your service provider? I do through my business. Mm. My mother has Xfinity Mobile, which she pays thirteen dollars a month for, which is like insane. Whoa! It's, it's a really good deal, and it uses Verizon Net Verizon's network. Huh. That's fancy. 
Yeah, I recommend. Now, of course, she's on the one gigabyte plan because she doesn't really use it. So that's part. But even unlimited, it's like 30 a month. It's pretty reasonable. That is very reasonable. Is that like 30 a month if you also have y- Xfinity yes. uh, cable or something? Yes, you have to have one Xfinity service to go with it. That's the gimmick. So. But I have that. So um, you can get T-Mobile at home internet as well. Yeah, I've seen that. But that's 4G. I don't know what kind of speeds were, that they're, is. Right. There, I, I looked. I got an email about it, and they, but they were super stingy on the details about uh, the speed. So I don't know. I think you may just have to go Amish. That's really yeah. the only solution to your problem. <laughs> can, you, can you hear the... <laughs> there's a there's a person yelling at Siri in the other room. I, I hear commotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear commotion. Yeah. The uh, I did get a, a HomePod Mini, unrelated. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Sounds like it's going well. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's like the the Alexa stop of Siri. Siri stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you, have, your, to say, you your... have to say hey siri stop right that's the problem and that gets me every time because i just say like siri stop it's so natural <laughs> yeah and you can't you can't be mad when you say hey because like i want to yell at <laughs> yell at it but i can't go hey siri stop you know you can't get away with that yeah did your phone go off, Sean? Yeah, she said, there's nothing to stop here. Check if the device is on your home Wi-Fi network. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Very helpful. What yeah. is your actual HomePod mini review? I like it so far. The timers seem to work well. Siri can hear you from really far away. Like, I can speak. I don't This is the thing everyone says about the HomePod, but the like, I can talk to it from my bedroom, like normal voice. It's in the kitchen. And like, it hears me given my apartment is not very big, but like it's, it's pretty nice. Um, she still does like, you know, there's still classic, like I found some web results for you, but now Mm. instead of now it's, it's like, I found some, I'm, I sent some web results to your iPhone. (laughs) Like, thanks. Even less useful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think, I think it's supposed to be, I haven't tested out the like, it's supposed to be able to like recognize different people. So I, I, I'm not sure if it uh, can send it to the correct iPhone based on the person who queried. Um, the, the hold your phone near it thing to, to make the audio like uh, switch, make it switch to the, there like is cool when it works, but it doesn't work all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Like, I don't know if there's a specific, like, incantation I'm supposed to do. But I've just been, like, smashing my phone <laughs> against the speaker. <laughs> and it does it does usually work. Um, and you can also take it back. That's the, the thing I like the most, weirdly enough, is, like, you can, t- you can just do the same thing to, like, take the audio back onto your phone. I don't know what, why that's huh. more satisfying. But... So, yeah, I'll continue to investigate. It's only been a couple of days. Now, but, you, but you've so had other sort of speaker solutions in your home, yes? Yeah, I had the, like, the, uh, like, Alexa. The thing I, the thing that was nice about it, comparing it to Alexa, is, like, I didn't have to do anything. I plugged it in and it, like... You know, it. I, I had to. You know, it. It was like like Apple Watch style. I had to like show the the my phone's camera the like flashing lights on the top of the the HomePod. Um, but then everything else just worked. Like it could already like turn off my lights and. Because I was curious um, about the audio quality. It sounds pretty nice. It's like, <laughs> I I I don't think I'm a huge audio quality person, but. I think it sounds pretty good. It's not super loud. Sure. But I don't think it's like, I think it's as loud as you would expect it to be for what it is. And like, it does get loud. It just doesn't get like loud. How you like it. Um, Yeah. Like when I, you know, I like to rock out when when you're head banging at three in the morning. Yes. 
<laughs> Nobody's buying. My that. neighbors hate me. Yep. Um. Yeah, I get complaints from neighboring buildings. <laughs> oh, that's know. good though. Yeah, that's good. You'll have to listen to your long-term thoughts. I finally, I've never bought a speaker device with the sole purpose of listening to it. And by that, I mean like all of my like smart talky things I bought for the smart talky things, not for the music or audio part. But I finally invested in the most basic edition of a TV soundbar I could get. Hmm. I picked up Roku has a new stream bar. I've, I've, I've dedicated myself to my love of Roku, which is sort of like a mini sound bar. It's only about, it's like a loaf of bread size, maybe a little bit bigger. And so it's kind of a mini and it's got a Roku built into it. And it does that HDMI arc thing where it controls your TV over the HDMI. Neat. Um, and I'm finally hearing TV for the first time. It sounds a, a, a lot better. I'm sure a real sound bar would sound even better, but it's, <laughs> it's an improvement over the built-in speakers. I'll say definitely yeah. is. That's cool. Now, Sean, speaking of uh, home improvements for you, is there any resolution to your downstairs internet problem? No, but I have a new problem also. So I didn't solve my first nice. problem, but now I have a second problem that I'm on my way so to solve. So now you have two problems. I do. So basically what I did, Dan, was I did these. I loved all the ideas, but I took the simplest route, which is just put all her stuff on my on my network, and it's been fine. Because she mm-hmm. doesn't even use that much internet. So problem solved. I just took the easiest solution. I'm just going to have one router for both of us. Nice. My new problem is heating the basement. So... I'm trying to come up with a smart way. The issue is, is that not to get too much into it, but my, it's only one zone, the whole house, the thermostat is upstairs downstairs. There's only, believe it or not, this is how they built this place, but there's only heat output in the kitchen area, but not in the living room or bedroom. And because it's in a basement, it can get cold. And so I could put in a fancy expensive heating system, but I'm currently working on, I picked up some smart uh, uh, thermometers that are ift enabled and I'm trying to convince her to let me do this. I'm going to buy some small space heaters, put them on smart plugs. And so they automatically kick on when it hits a certain low temperature and kicks off when it sits, hits a certain high temperature by room. Now the downside to that is having space heaters on when you're not around. Uh, Cause they'll just kick on automatically a potential fire hazard. So if someone has a better idea, I'll tell you, but that was my first <laughs> attempt at like building a heating system from scratch with like stuff you can find on Amazon. Nice. The- now, is that what led into your pick for this week, Sean? No, I think that's just a good thing. Every house should have, but again, okay. it's one of those things now that I have two people living here, two kitchens in my house. It's one of those things where I bought like a, I can also at some point pick the smoke detectors I got, which are also very high tech. Now um, I did not get like nest. I got traditional uh, smoke alarms, but now they all have their own custom wireless connection between them, which I don't know what range or inner, you know, what Hertz that runs on. But now they all link to each other wirelessly. So when one alarm goes off, they all go off. And it'll shout at you very loudly what room the fire's in. (laughs) Fire detected in the guest bedroom. It's awesome. Does does it have like pre-programmed what room it's in? Or do you get to record your own? No, that so is would it be like cool. fire detected in the Sean's voice bedroom? Well, that was always one of my, there was an SNL bit years and years and years ago of a, uh, of a smoke detector that played hits of the eighties. And when it went <laughs> off and people were like enjoying it so much, they wouldn't leave the house when it was on fire. But uh, no, it has like 12 preset rooms and it's every sound it makes is incredibly loud and it does on purpose. But even when you're setting it up, it's incredibly loud. So it's oh, like, God, yeah. it's like uh, smoke detector enabled. Push the test button. When the right room is named living room, kitchen, master bedroom. <laughs> and it's so fun. My ears were ringing. It's so loud. And I had to set up. I did four of them throughout the house that were all interconnected. So I had to set up four of them. Oh my God. It was. And then, I had to like test the wireless and I had all four sitting in front of me and I tested one and then all four started going off. It was just like <laughs> nauseating. It was awful. Uh, but they do you guys, do you guys remember the, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show, but speaking of my San Francisco apartment, we had the smoke detectors we had as a 
convenience feature to test them, you could point any infrared remote at them and just like press a button. Like if they received, right. If they received an infrared signal, (laughs) they would do test mode. Like it would like blare a couple times. And then there was a voice that would say fire detected or something. And then it would say, this is a test. And then it would stop. But like the obvious consequence of that is that anytime, you know, like not anytime, but like, one in 10 times that anyone anywhere in the house pressed a button on a TV remote, one of the smoke detectors would go into test mode. That is such an incredible design flaw. It was so terrible. <laughs> we we did eventually find a way to turn that off. Thank God. But at first it was just like, it took a long time to figure out why it was happening. That is... <laughs> absolutely insane yeah yeah it's good intentions but boy that was a bad idea bad results yep well i'll report back on how my uh smart heating adventure goes if i burn down my house um it'll, you'll be the first i let know but i'll do it smartly yeah don't they have they have space heaters now that are like it's not like the inside of a toaster on the front it's like it's safer. They look like a radiator, right? Yeah. It seems a little safer. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to make that work. Um, it's just hard because I want what I really want is control uh, and it's heat specifically in each room. That's what it is. So I can't have like one big here. So I'm thinking if I get a couple small one small one in each area and with a mm. with a um, thermometer in each area, then it's like you're creating all these mini zones. I don't know if you want a like actual project or if you just want the, the <laughs> no. fastest thing possible. But my my parents have like they have been like working on the house that they're gonna like retire in or whatever. And they did like it's electric radiant heat in the floors. Oh and it's sure. like it's like that. It's like just this like like I saw it when they were putting it in. It's just like a like a grid of like wires that goes under the the flooring but then like every room has a thermostat Mm. oh so they did it it for the whole house yeah wow but i don't know i don't know if it's expensive or not yeah i've definitely that but that's interesting because i've heard of people doing it like in their bathrooms it's pretty common um because the tile gets really i've never heard of anyone doing their whole house that's awesome yeah apparent i guess it's more like Back in the day, there used to be all kinds of like the back in the day, it used to be like water, like Mm. it would be like heated water that ran through tubes under the floor. And like that was the thing a lot of people would do, like just in the bathroom Mm because it was nice in the bathroom. But I guess now they have like uh, a more like accessible way to do it, like through the whole house. And it's just like this electric like circuit thing that goes under all the floors. That is cool. Seems interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, are they going to hook that up to the internet and so you can roast their floors remotely? <laughs> I mean, I think I'll probably end up hooking it up to the internet for them at some point. <laughs> Siri, stop! <laughs> Although, I, I could just imagine, can you imagine the routine in your life where you get the smart shower, the smart floors, and in the morning you get up and the floors are already warm and the shower's already preheated and your towel's already warm. It's like, <sighs> it's like a friggin' spa. Sounds all right to me. This is the smart home future that I actually want that no one's making. But they do. Ma- that's the thing is we're really close because they ha- they do have smart floors. They do have. Smart. Well, no, they have regular floors. You can make smart. They have. Right. They have. They do have a shower thing where you can preset a temperature and it'll be warmed up to it when you walk in. Mm. That exists. Um, I, there are towel warmers you could hook up to a smart plug and turn on at a certain time. I mean, you can jerry-rig it. You're right. There's no sort of one-stop shop on it. Right. I'm gl- I'm so glad I don't have the problem that I had at my last apartment where, like, every time I turned on the shower, it was its own little optimization problem of trying to figure out exactly where today, based on 
the season and who else happened to be running any water right now, the dial should be set to get the correct temperature. Because it's that's the thing. Like, that's the hard part. It's not just about, like, mapping the spots on the dial to temperatures. It's taking into account all the other things that could cause those things to shift around. Seasonality. Yeah. That would be cool. Someday. 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 But we should talk about what's going on in tech right now. At least oh, see, yeah. see what's see what's in the news. We've got a number of stories. It's it's a quiet week because we're approaching a holiday here, so not a ton of news going on, but we got a couple stories in here, um, which we can talk about, or we can talk about none of them. Uh, but I'm going to leave it up to you two wonderful <laughs> gentlemen to pick story number one. No headlines. No, I'm just, right. so right, I'm just so lazy. I'm just so lazy. It's I'm lazy too. I don't. Even, I've never written a single headline in my life. Well, so. and it annoys me because all the URL slugs like clearly tell you what the story is anyway. So yeah. Eh. Okay. See, guys, this is the problem with the cat. Okay. Are you? Can you see this? He's just <laughs> sleeping on me. How am I supposed to do the goddamn show? That's amazing. You know how many people would kill to have a cat that would not that a, would go anywhere near them? This cat Never weighs sleep on their shoulder. Pounds. He's a big boy. Look, look at him. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to get like, I'm going to need a neck brace after this. What is wrong? Now, this might be a tough story to do, but I think we should try to do Windows Turns 35. Oh, boy. I hope we're up for it. Uh, yes, let's talk about Windows Turns 35. Uh, you basically said it. The first version launched on November 20th, 1985 to succeed, succeed, succeed to follow up on MS-DOS. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a long time. I don't know. Is there any particular parts of this you want to you want to touch on? Of course, what was the, what was the first uh, computer you ever had, Sean? What? Uh, our family what had a like? compact uh, yeah. which ran, I don't know for sure, probably three or 3.1. Um, I think I, I don't date back to like the DOS days or anything like that. How about you, Colby? Uh, windows 95 is the first windows I remember using. Was that the first computer you had? I think so. I think so. Like, I remember it was like not a family computer. It was like a, my mom used it for work mostly, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. But I remember doing paint once in a while on the. <laughs> Damn. And, and like Minesweeper or Solitaire when as a small child, when you like had no idea what was happening. So it wasn't fun at all. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like. Minesweeper was so inscrutable to me as a kid. I was like, it was impossible. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and just the other day, I was reading about, I was watching someone maybe play it on Twitch or something. And I was like, wait a second. This game is so simple. <laughs> and then I was like, how did I ever, like, how did I play Donkey Kong as a kid and win? Because in a lot of ways, <laughs> Donkey Kong is a more complicated game than Minesweeper. Right. But I guess I guess that's the like the beauty of interfaces. Like the interface of Donkey Kong was a lot more uh, intuitive than Minesweeper. I guess, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I'm pretty sure I have the picture of this box. I think our first computer was the Mac 2 SE. Mm. So that I I skipped the Windows 3.1 era altogether. Then the next one was was Windows 95. Uh, so, yeah, I also like all these pictures in this article of the kind of terminal looking Windows interface. I, I've never saw that, but I do have fond memories of the Windows 95 interface. And I like I don't think the Windows 95 interface was that bad. Yeah, what uh, let's let's do a quick poll. This Verge article we're looking at has screen grabs of all the different. What is the worst looking version of Windows? And we'll exclude. We'll start at ninety five forward because they all, you know, they all. Uh, okay. Well, they all the start menu. They all, you know, they're a little more consistent at that point. But what what is the the straight up ugliest? Straight up ugliest. I, I I'm, I'm scrolling through I, right I have, now. So I'll start, and I will say it's 
The question is, what do you think about Windows 8? Because that was when they just basically threw out the start menu and was like, <laughs> screw it, we're just going for tiles. And I, it is definitely ugly, but at least it's radically different, and I give them that. I think the most... I, I think it looks pretty, though. But it, it's a good design for what it is. That's why I would say my pick is probably Vista, where they had that first, like, what they call it, aero glass, where it was that sort of, like, glassy structure that got good yeah. in windows seven but was kind of crappy mm. in vista i i think from a modern day aesthetic my pick would be windows xp like it it, it yeah. does look very fisher price i it prefer does. vista to xp yeah. yeah that's what i was gonna say too dan the yes. just looking looking i don't think it fazed me at the time but looking back it's very cartoony janky yeah Yep, we used that for a long time. Yeah, Windows XP. Yeah, a long time. I feel like that was most of like school, most of like pre-college school I remember doing on a computer mm -hmm. was on Windows XP. Yeah, and I don't even yeah, think I used Vista that long. I think I went right from XP pretty much to 7. I used Vista for a year or two, but... Do they still have the control panel? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And that's what's weird about Windows 10 these days is it's they have both control panel and settings. And you're like, yes. but why both? And it's a Windows 8 holdover where they created the settings just for Windows 8, but they couldn't get rid of the control panel. So the Yeah, it's one of those things, Colby, where you, you know you've ever worked on a website and then there's a new design. Yeah. Uh, but you can't convert the entire website to the new design, so you just do the most popular stuff. The settings yeah. app is only the only the big hits. You got your Wi-Fi, you got your sound, your displays, uh, and your displays printers and all that. Uninstall programs. Uh, <laughs> well, after that, like device manager is like now you're like back. You are back in control panel aesthetic once you go to device manager. Mm. Oh my god! Well, I actually, I <laughs> this is another thing. I went on the Wikipedia article for the settings app. Uh, recently because i was because i completely missed windows 8 so i was like where did this thing come from but they actually added to it in windows 10 and apparently the the deal is that eventually control panel will go away and it will just be the settings app the settings app is definitely better than control panel in my view mm -hmm. the, the search thing is so nice see that's one thing i never use and i'm also the nerd who has i never liked I'm a big, obviously, start menu is a big part of using Windows, but after 7, I never really liked the start menu. So I actually use, and I picked it on the show before, start 10, um, yes. which is the start menu replacement that sort of makes it more uh, Windows 70, um, which I like a lot. I didn't like all the tiles they brought into the start menu for uh, for 10. But I don't use... I don't use those buttons at all. Much like how I don't use the dock on Mac OS, I only use Spotlight. Yeah. On When I'm using Windows, I don't use the start menu. I just press Windows and start typing. Yeah, I got to remember that's a thing. It's great. Mm. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, this is the same way I use iOS, too. Just <laughs> swipe down and start typing. Don't bother with <laughs> apps on the home screen. What? Um, what else? What else is in this article? Uh, remember defragmenting? Yeah. yeah. Are we still supposed to do that? I haven't done it in a while. I don't know. No, you're not still supposed to do it. Okay. The Can reason, you still do it, though? I, I mean, it's Windows. I'm sure that the program <laughs> is still there. So, uh, Sean... And Colby, I don't know if you ever took this class, but oh, yeah, in OS, we talked about this, right? Like yeah. hard drives are laid out sequentially starting at like like byte zero to byte whatever, five terabyte, whatever it is. And on a actual hard drive where the disk spins, you have this little arm like a record player that needs to hit the part of the disk that you're trying to read. And the only way to get there is to like move the disk to the, the part where it is. So the, the, what defragmenting did was it made it so all of the parts of a program, because programs would not be stored sequentially. 
for various reasons. You like, because imagine this, right? You you have a five terabyte hard drive. You store one terabyte's worth of files on it, and then you delete half of them. Now you want to store a like four terabyte program. It's like, well, there's no space after where you stopped writing before, but there is space in between. So then you write in there, but then the problem with the spinning disk is if you want to load that, this is a bad example, there is no four terabyte program. But if there was, and you want to load it, you would have to jump around through all like the in-between bits in that first part to like seek the little record player to each to each bit. So what defragmenting did was it reordered everything so that things were like next to each other, physically next to each other. But with SSDs, none of that matters anymore. Well, my SSD is 12% fragmented. I just ran an analysis. <laughs> Shit, man. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> it's funny s- that it tells you that. You say that now. Wait until I defragment it. Then this thing's going to be blazing. <laughs> and by the way, I did use a third-party defragmentation software I still have installed and have not used in God knows how long. What was it? Shout out to the fine folks at Defragler. Uh, I believe it's the same company that makes CCleaner uh, and a few other really great uh, Windows utilities. I believe that's that. Defragler. Defragler. Uh, they do they do Specky, which is a like a search app. Recuva, which is like a recovery app for deleted files. They have like a whole suite. Wow, the last release was two years ago, and it, and it says new version. Click to download. <laughs> <laughs> it tells you the last time I defragmented. I'll do that later. Amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think it is kind of a bummer because they've basically said mm, more or less that there's not going to be any more versions of Windows. It's just going to be it's just going to be permanent updates to Windows 10, and that really bums me out because I think there is something really nice about like define like I give Mac credit like they still have even if it is the cheesy names like. At least you could say, oh, what version are you running? Oh, I'm on High Sierra, or I'm on Big Sur, or I'm on whatever. Now we're just all on Windows 10. (laughs) Just Windows 10 forever. Just living on Windows 10. It's all Windows 10, always has been. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I hadn't heard that, but it makes sense. It's just a much easier way to do things in in the internet age. Well, you just, everyone runs Windows, you know? Now, the real question is, when is Windows going to... Although, you know what this implies is that all Windows what, updates will be free. Have they said that? Did we do that story? But they've always been free. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, sort the issue is when they just stop supporting old versions and that no, sort of thing. No, but, but it used to be that you you have to pay money to get Windows I mean, Vista. Yeah, you, you it Windows used to XP. come in a box. Yeah, the pre-internet yeah. days. No, no, the pre-internet days, you're right. I remember getting Windows Millennium Edition on like 18 CDs. Um, but, um, but no, ever since, I mean, I do know for a fact, my Vista was upgraded to seven for, no, that one I paid for Vista to seven. I think I paid like 50 bucks for it, but after seven, seven to eight was free. And then it was 8.1 and then it was 10 and it's been free since via windows update. Huh? But that was also back when they used to have like, remember when they had, I have to look up all the versions of Windows XP because that was back when they had like 36 flavors of each operating system Yes, where it was like um, home pro edition, Center, pro super edition, pro, uh, pro ultimate, <laughs> pro platinum experience. Uh, absolutely wild. Uh, I think Vista was the worst. It had a lot of flavors. Um, but uh, additions, Windows Vista additions. There's a whole we can be. Windows Vista Starter, Windows Vista Home Basic, Windows Vista Home Premium, Vista Business, Vista Enterprise, Vista Ultimate. Um, and that doesn't Ultimate, even include, right. um, like you said, Vista Home in Home Version and uh, Media Center, media, media Center. Yep. Yep. Very easy for. Users to understand, of course. <laughs> Media center. Yep. Yep. If Wild. you wanted right. Windows Movie Maker, you had to get home premium. Uh, anyway. That's the history of Windows. Happy 35th birthday to Windows. May you continue to make mediocre operating systems forever. Uh, let's see what else is in the news. 
Oh, you know what we never really did? I used Windows full-time for several months. I guess we never really did a debrief on that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, I was worried. I, I'm, uh... <laughs> I think my review is that <clears throat> when it's never been a less bad time to use Windows. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I, I do think it's the best it's ever been. Uh... My high level review is like it's nice. The nice thing about Windows is you never have to ask like, oh, will I be able to do this here? You can do everything. You can run Linux in Windows with the Windows subsystem for Linux. And that works really well. You can play games on it like all any pretty much any app that you want to use is on Windows. Um, The things that aren't great Oh, and the other, my other favorite thing is that I like the Windows window management. Like the fact that they have the little split thing built in. Yeah. Is like, come on, Mac, when you get with the program here, no one does the full screen split thing. We want an easier way to do it. <laughs> um, the thing that surprised me uh, that kind of sucked was still, still uh, like the Windows store. <clears throat> if you can buy things on the Windows Store, or not buy. I, th- I didn't buy anything on the Windows Store, but if you can install things from the Windows Store, that's great. So many things aren't on the Windows Store, and they all, like, I'm still surprised today at how many things there's no auto-update. It's like, oh, just, like, hear that there's a new version and then go to our website and download this EXE and yeah. reinstall it. It's like, what? Um, that's, like, so out of date. Uh, and I think the flip side of that is that there's the like windows app ecosystem is for some things pretty bare bones like i was trying to find uh a markdown editor for mac like an editor is just really good at markdown it it, like lets me export it in different ways and i does like syntax highlighting i can preview it and it was pretty bare bones on windows and maybe if anyone knows a, a better one Please let me know. I ended up using this one called Carrot. C-A-R-O-T. Um, but on like Mac and even Linux, those things, like, they're everywhere. Uh, so that was my my uh, review of using Windows. Yeah, Carrot.io. I'll put this in the show notes. Um, that was my review of using Windows for three months. It's, it's great. It, it's It's great. It's not my favorite. Oh, and I I like the I like the Mac like process model better where it's like, "Hey, apps can still keep running in the background after you close the window and then you can like really close them." On Windows, I was always like closing windows and then like starting like VS Code and being like, "Oh, right. Okay, god. It has to like <laughs> do all this crap now because <laughs> I accidentally closed the last window that was open because I was resetting things and doing something else." Um but Windows, uh, better than it used to be. The best it's it's ever been. And yeah, it was fine. I would use Windows. If someone was like, Dan, you have to use Windows for it. I'd be like, eh, okay. Now, notably, I was not doing this on a laptop. So I don't know if like connecting to external displays and Wi-Fi sucks on Windows. I, I don't know that. Well, uh, I, I will just ask you this quick question because now that I've been using Macs for two years on the regular for work. Um, it's You have an interesting yeah. uh, sort of software expert's perspective on it. Finder versus Windows File Explorer. I find <sighs> I like some things on one, some things on the other, but given the choice, I think Windows File Explorer is better. Um, your thoughts? That's a, t- that's a tough one. I think I like Windows File Explorer 2, and it's it's killer feature for me is being able to click in that like navigation bar and getting the file path. And that's like not something that most people care about, but to go from a finder window to like pacing this path into some code is surprisingly difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot more robust. I, I like, I like that about windows. Um, otherwise, it's mostly the same search kind of sucks on both of them. Like I search for things on my windows PC. It takes forever. 
Um, yeah. Okay. But I I don't really I don't really use like I don't have a lot of files. Most of my files have moved moved up to the cloud, and I think we've talked about this. Yeah. I haven't transferred a file from one computer. Like when I've gotten a new computer, I haven't transferred files since college. Uh, I don't even have Dropbox. <laughs> like all anything I write goes in Google Cloud. Anything I take a picture of is in iCloud Photo Library, and all my codes on GitHub, hmm. and all my like game saves are on Steam. Steam Cloud Backup. Thank God for that. That would be a nightmare. I mm. that was a nightmare before before that was a thing. Uh, so as a result, like my file management happens in Google Docs a lot more than it does Windows File Explorer, which is a shame because file management in Google Docs sucks so much. <laughs> oh, God. How can a company that makes a search engine be so bad at searching for documents? It's bizarre. <sighs> yeah. It's wild to me that they've convinced large companies to use that as like a... Google Docs. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a as like a, a a a way of like sharing information with the whole company. The th- here's the thing. Google Docs, I've I've used Airtable. I've used Notion recently. Notion is super interesting. Um I feel like there's another one I used. But nothing beats Google Docs for like some people are typing in a document at the same time. But, like Airtable, it takes a while for the updates to show up. And in Notion, everything is like noticeably slows down. Like it's clearly a React app. And it's like, oh, wait, hang on. Like getting some stuff from the network, got to update that. And I'll get around to your like mouse input. <laughs> uh, well, Dan, so, I, I might challenge you because I, I might have a good Google Docs alternate for you. Office.com. Office.com. It's getting better by the day is how I would describe it. It was bad. Now it's good. I think it will be great. And they've really done a great job of integrating all of the interactive features. The downside is, obviously, other people have to be on the platform for it to work. I work at a company that is Office 365 integrated, so it works exceptionally well because then you save it to the OneDrive and then it syncs to your Windows machine and it does all kinds of fancy stuff. But the online versions of Word and PowerPoint and Excel are actually pretty good. The now, issue is, now, I here's think the they're going to hit you up for money, though. That's the problem, right? But like, I think the it's other like thing about Google Docs a month. that is that is brilliant is if you're a company and you want to share some information with another company, you just like make that Google Drive link public, right? And you're good to go. But that's also um, bad if you're a company who doesn't want their information shared when your employees can make the links public. Yeah, <laughs> true. Fair enough. <laughs> details um, but that's a big use case for me is like i want to make an agenda doc sure and i'm going to be having a meeting with an external vendor and i just want them to be able to see it and i want them to be able to edit it but that's and, when and you I'm integrate with this as like a gotcha I'm, and you, you get the whole microsoft e- ecosystem and you just live in it and it's but can you do that like have you have you done stuff like that can you make a office cloud no, a uh, uh, Office Cloud Word document public, or like, can you invite people outside of your org to be editors on it? I believe if you, you know? create a personal account, you can, because we're SSO enabled through Microsoft mm-hmm. with my company. It is limited to only people within the organization mm-hmm. on purpose. But if uh, for a personal account, yeah, you certainly can, or if your company allows it. Again, that's that's the advantage. So if you had a paid Microsoft. 365 account or whatever they call it uh you could make a doc and give me access to it and then i would not have to pay for office 365 to edit that doc with you i don't know you're asking me questions above and beyond my my level of knowledge uh but i will say (laughs) that office is um anywhere from seven to ten dollars a month for not only all of the word excel powerpoint but you also get OneDrive, you get skype minutes um and it's available on all your devices so for what it's worth sorry did you say skype minutes skype minutes minutes 
Yes, you get... um, What is the exact amount of Skype you get? You get Skype somethings. Um, <laughs> Units Skype. of Skype. You know, you've, you've heard of it. You love it. Yeah, Skypes. You get you get 10 Skypes. Skypes. Uh, no, no, you do. It is like it is like a certain number of like credits towards minutes a month. Believe it or not, people I think still do that. I'm not sure. That's weird. Could not tell you. I mean, I'm still paying for our phone number, so <laughs> uh, what a waste of money. Anyway, guys, uh, let's go ahead. And unless there's a story you really want to talk about, it's about time to move on to picks. Can we quickly hit that Apple story? The uh, the business small business. Thing. Oh, absolutely. We support small businesses here at Don't Panic. Um, yeah, just like Apple. That's right. Uh, after quite the kerfuffle around their 30% cut on the apps, uh, Apple on Wednesday announced a reduction to its longstanding commission rate. Uh, the new App Store small business program will allow any developer who earns less than $1 million in annual sales per year from all of their apps to qualify for a reduced app store cut of 15%, which is half of that 30% fee on all paid app revenue and in app purchases. They say the vast majority of iOS app developers should be able to access the program. Um, last year, the app store generated an estimated $50 billion in revenue. According to an analytics company report, an estimated 98% of developers would be eligible for the 15% cut but those developers generated just five percent of the app store's total revenue last year Hmm. yeah uh, i was listening to a podcast atp and i think i thought they made an interesting point which is like this is such a brilliantly crafted pr move because it provides the most pr benefit because the most benefit actually the most benefit to the most number of people really at the least cost to apple Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh it doesn't like and i'm sure this is addressed at the like increasing regulatory pressure they're facing but it like all the regulatory pressure they're facing is from google with the stadia stuff and and epic games and spotify all, all of whom would not decidedly not qualify for this under a million dollars thing. So it's uh, it's brilliant in that way. But I don't know if this fixes anything. Uh, but if I was an app store developer, I would probably be not making a million dollars and I would be very happy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was and I read an interesting article where it's like the difference between making one million and making one point two million is paying for that that extra 15%. So it's like, if you're close to making a million, maybe you should make your app yes. free for a little while or something like that. But no, it, it's I'm just take it off the store. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's like November and it's a calendar year thing. Um, no, it's uh, it, you're, you're exactly right, Dan. I mean, this is without a doubt a PR thing that doesn't actually address their problem because small app developers were never going to sue them or take their wildly popular platform off of iOS. Um, that That's not their problem. It just makes them look good. And if it costs them a billion dollars a year, they can afford it, um, even though I don't think it will be nearly that much. So, no, I guess it's good for small developers. More power to them, but, you know. Maybe I should get into the app business. You're yeah. just figuring that out. Apps, apps, apps. <laughs> you're, just, you're like, I think these apps are really going Shit. places. Futures and smartphones apps. are the future. Guys. Oh man, you just we're going to touch everything. Uh, no, well, it is interesting what's going to happen once uh, M1 starts being widely available and, <sighs> and apps are cross compatible. Um, what that means for developers, I would think in app purchases are certainly going to skyrocket with the more use of, of these apps. <sighs> One can hope. When we talked about this last week, did we have that benchmark of uh? The benchmark around like apps that are emulating x86 are still I think we did they are yeah. still faster than oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only th- the only thing we didn't have last week was all of the reviews that came out when the embargo dropped um, that said this is like an incredible computer and it changes everything oh right wait can we do a quick follow up on that didn't you have some uh, some follow ups or maybe some some mea culpas after those reviews dropped because you were concerned that like it the actual experience of using it would kind of suck 
Am I, I remembering I that was, right? Uh, my whole thing was Apple promised the world, can they deliver on it? And after, and I think I said this in our Slack when when one of you posted um, on our, oh, you posted the benchmarks. And I said, my ratings yeah. on this are going from cautiously optimistic to kind of excited. And I think what's <laughs> exciting about it to me is it's not the battery life. It's not the power. It's not any of these things. It's the $9.99 starting price. And I know that sounds mm. crazy, but comparing it to Windows, right? A 999 Windows PC is like a good computer. It's not even a great computer. Like it's a good computer. Like it won't break, but you really aren't getting anything blazing at that point. For the yeah. entry level MacBook Air at 999 to blow out of the water, not only every other computer, but even all of Mac's computers in some of these benchmarks, I think is incredibly powerful and that's what makes me excited is you're not paying three thousand dollars for the privilege of owning this computer which wouldn't have surprised me if they did that that's what i'm excited about is at a 9.99 price point or even even at 12.99 or whatever you're getting a computer that should cost much more than that that excites me yeah it's exciting times yeah I I I know I kind of get this like high in excitement when Apple releases a new product, but I'm looking at these MacBook Airs like because I haven't had a laptop in a long time. I've only ever had the desktop now for like five years. Oh man! And I'm like, and that, by the way, I just ordered a brand new huge desk and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm pimping out the studio. Get excited! Oh, I'm excited. But I'm like, oh man, you know what would look really good on that desk? An M1 MacBook, a MacBook Air. Air. <laughs> that would look really good. Uh, and it would probably be fat. It would be faster than your desktop. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my god, it, not even close. My desktop struggles yeah. to do the show. It's but it's six years old. It's got to be upgraded. Uh, but it's just going to be. I just think that computer is going to be really, really. Is Sean cool. going to be the first one to take the M1 challenge? I mean, but again, it's that kind of thing where it's like I don't use a lot of software. Like even for a Windows guy, like I kind of do everything in the browser. Now we're trying out this new streaming platform and pro- mm-hmm. podcast platform that's in the browser, right? So it, it, even yeah. if M1 isn't compatible with stuff, it doesn't matter because it all lives in the browser. Right? Yeah, right. You're Amazing. getting it. Uh, it's an internet communicator. It's a. You're getting it. It's a phone. <laughs> It's all JavaScript and always has been, Sean. (laughs) I'm going to hop on the train, man. It's really tempting. Now I just need to win the lottery or something. Uh, Guys, let's talk about our picks here real quick. Uh, We got a couple picks here in the rundown. I'm going to go first because mine is pretty darn straightforward. Uh, It's a fire extinguisher. Do you guys have a fire extinguisher in your your homes? Yeah. I don't know. (gasps) You don't know? Well, that's not good. Well, if you don't have one, I recommend you get one. I picked up uh, two for my house because I have two kitchens. Uh, The first alert, standard home fire extinguisher. I like that they say it comes in red, even though it comes in no other colors. Um, (laughs) And it costs 20 bucks. It's a a small one. It's not a big one. But if you don't have a big space, I think this will do you fine. It's uh, the wire cutters pick, believe it or not. No surprise there. Um, And for 20 bucks, I think it's a good... um, you know, a good amount of protection to have for your home. So we'll have the link on the website. You can check it out there. Um, but be fire safe. Get Make sure you have smoke detectors. Check your batteries. Um, make sure you have a fire extinguisher and you know your exits. Fire safety. Uh, Dan, do you, you you got some links in here. Uh, yeah, I, I put the, uh, the link to that markdown editor I use for Windows. But my real pick is this um, Is It Snappy iPhone app. Uh, so what this is, is you open up the app and it brings up your camera and you take a video of something. Now, let's say I wanted to measure the latency on my uh, desktop computer monitor. I would I would position the, the video viewfinder such that it sees a mouse or the keyboard as well as the screen. And then you take a video of yourself clicking the mouse or pressing the button and then waiting for the screen to show up and it uses the like uh, the slow-mo camera and then you press stop when you think you've ca- captured it and then it gives you this cool UI where you can like mark where you press the button in the video timeline and mark where it showed up and it'll tell you like, oh, you have like 50 milliseconds of delay or whatever. And you could do this for anything that you want to measure latency on your phone. I guess you need another phone like iPads, TVs, uh just human reaction time uh 
it's pretty cool. It's free. It works really well. Uh, is it snappy.com? That is wild. What is it? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, for uh, this uh, Super Smash Bros. game I'm super into, there's been a lot of talk recently about how to get your monitor to be as low latency as possible. And I was curious. <clears throat> I supposedly had a like 144 hertz monitor, but I was curious exactly how low latency was it. And I think that turns out the answer was 50 milliseconds. Let me see. Yeah, about exactly 50 milliseconds, which is pretty good. Hmm. Nice. That's one one eighth of a second, I think. 200 milliseconds is a fifth. Oh, no. So like a tenth of a second. Yeah, a tenth of a second. Not bad. I'll take it. Very cool. Is it snappy? Uh, you check it out. Colby. <laughs> uh, I kept hearing people talk about the Ted Lasso show on Apple TV Plus, so I started watching it. It's really good. I haven't finished yet. I have like mm, four, three, four episodes left, but it's like, I mean, it's a comedy. It's funny, but it's it's like weirdly feel good kind of like sad stuff happens, but like you still feel good. I don't know. It's nice. It's, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how it ends, so don't tell me. It, it I cannot believe how well they pull off the feels good. I mean, they, they really, yeah. it, it's, it's upsetting how, like, you keep waiting for that turn where something, like, evil is, or like, oh, there was an evil plan the whole time, or like, there's something. It's like, no, it's just, I mean, there's, like you said, there's sad stuff, but it's just, it's just feel good. Yeah, sort of nice. And also, Jason Sudeikis is a national treasure. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I love myself as Sudeikis. Uh, it's worth the Apple TV plus $5 for a month or something to watch. Is that, is that your version of the worth the calories Great British Bake Off? Well, do you... <laughs> now that now that you've gotten... Because you got your phone on the Apple upgrade plan, do you get another free year of Apple TV? I never got a free year of Apple TV in the first place. Oh. What? I got, like, the trial at the beginning. Like, just the three weeks or a month or, I don't know, some amount of time, but not a year. I don't know, Sean, because I got that, like, three-month extension. Because mm. I got a new phone from my company after Apple TV launched. I'm I'm still on my year free. Yeah, um, I think... I Because th- didn't they announce that there was now you're going to get a free year of Apple Arcade if you bought a new phone or something? Yeah, they keep changing. Now with the Apple One subscription, I'm not quite sure what you do and don't get. Yeah, and by the way, where the hell is the fitness thing? Uh, We're entering into some uh, air power territory here. Oh, they said it was launching like later in 2020, didn't they? They didn't like. Yeah, but did there's they put basically like two weeks left in 2020. They're <laughs> not going to launch it next week. Still, okay. it's going to be a launch cri- Christmas surprise. <laughs> <laughs> a week between Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> you got to work, work off all those we calories. there. <laughs> Maybe that, like... Yeah, I don't yeah, know. It, it seems like a, of, pretty, a New Year's thing. Or It seems like, like, PR-wise, it could be a new, like New Year's maybe. fitness thing. I don't know. Maybe you want that before Christmas. I don't know. There's 38 days yeah. left in the month, so they still have time. Minus 14. What? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> guys, that's the end of the show. We did it. We sure did. Uh, anything you guys would like to talk about or plug before we wrap up here? No. I, I'm still, you just reminded me, I'm still upset that air power hasn't shipped yet. <laughs> I, have, I haven't gotten my new Bluetooth tiles, and it's not that big a deal because I'm not going anywhere, but god damn. Yeah, I feel for you. We all feel for you, Dan. Um, but In fact, the it would be most, it, tiles are basically useless right now because the only reason I lose things <laughs> is I lose them in a small space. And if I had air tags and and they could like put the little AR view and like the little the little pointer pointing into the couch, uh, into the so couch. Good. Well, at the rate Apple is announcing, <laughs> like having a bunch of little announcements every month, you could have it in a couple months. Who knows? 
I hope so. They're spacing them I'm, out. I'm holding out for hope for that January announcement now. That would surprise me. Not that close yeah. to that, but like, you know, that February, March, I mean, we never got the over-the-year headphones either that we were supposed to get. So. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but uh, guys, while you're waiting, you got to check out Up for Debate. Matt wanted me to tell you both, by the way, co-host over on Up for Debate, that I convinced him. He says he listens to podcasts in the car and when he's eating lunch, <laughs> and I said, you should try Don't Panic. And he did, and he's a big fan, and he really likes it. But... <sighs> In classic Matt fashion, oh. he's a couple weeks behind catching up. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of like of the week don't stuff. Like you don't so he, skip it. So so he asked me, he was on the episode we were talking about Dan traveling to the Pacific Northwest, and he's like, What happens on next week's episode? I'm like, We talk about <laughs> Joe Biden winning the election? Like not <laughs> hard to figure oh, out. No. Um so, somebody needs it. Maybe we should have Matt on and help him like configure his podcast thing to only keep the most recent episode of Don't I, Panic. I would desperately love to have Matt on. But if you'd like to hear Matt, he and I are doing up for debate. And last week, uh in the second half this week, I'm picking a new NFL team, guys. I'm picking a new home team. I'm ditching the Patriots. Last week we did the AFC, and I'm down to four teams in the AFC. We're gonna do four and four and then pick a winner from those. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, or the Los Angeles Chargers. How do we get to those four? Colby's not impressed. How do we? How do we... <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I listen. I listened to the episode, so it, it was a mess, but it was great, and people should check it out. And this week we're doing the NFC, so uh, up for debate.tv wherever you get podcasts. You can also get this show, Don't Panic.io, is that website. Um, links to the picks, the audio, the video, this week in Pickstery, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts, or check us check out the video on YouTube. You can also reach us at Don't Panic Show at gmail.com or tweet at us at Don't Panic Show, guys. That is the end. Uh, for now but uh what's great is uh we'll be back next week so on behalf of colby and dan i'm sean thanks for being here we'll see you next time for another great edition of don't panic this has been a coffee and beer production executive produced by dan miller colby rabidou and sean jennings To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.